Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We've got a heck of a streak going here for grand and glorious days. We're coming up on like a year. We're just we're just shy of a year of grand and glorious days in the best little city in America because we went on the air, Dan and I, with the big show here, the Patrick Lally Show, about, uh, we're about uh, six days shy of a year, right in there. Yeah, it was the third week of June of 2017. Yes. Oh, the memories we've had. Memories. Oh. No, wait. No, go away with the cats. <laughs> no, with the cats. You know, I went to Cats once, the Broadway production of Cats. It's the only live production, pretty sure, in my life that I ever fell asleep during. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's not good. Not good. Yeah, just all of a sudden you wake up, you do that, <laughs> Memory. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't exactly strollers at USD, was it? No, I worked the I worked one of those stroller shows. My my work study job at uh, USD one year was working at the uh, uh, Slagle Auditorium. Oh, really? Yeah. So I ran Spotlight for that show, the stroller show, which is the big uh, variety show competition between the uh, the the Greeks and one independent team. Yes, it's a big fundraiser down there in Vermilion every spring. Highlighted the spring social calendar, one might say. And uh, yeah, so I worked the spotlight and it was a great job. I also got to, uh, uh, well, got to, you were a loadie, you know, like loading in, loading out. So I got to be uh, load in the romantics and then I was backstage for that bad boy. That was, that was a good show. That was fun. Uh, worst thing I ever worked on though was a, uh, it was a freestanding set for a production of the Magic Flute, the opera. The oh, the Mozart, flute. yes. Yes, the Mozart. They had more gear <laughs> than anything I've ever seen. That was an all-day affair. Ah, that was terrible. Anyway, so I got to go to Strollers. Um, where do we start with this thing? I was singing, and then I'm not singing anymore. We've been on the air almost a year, uh, although by this you couldn't tell. Um, and, uh, yeah, we got we haven't really planned any sort of celebration I guess we'll just turn the corner and go go to the next year. Oh, you think that just say just mark it and then just move on? Don't have like a party? No? I don't know. Maybe we could have a few chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's your one year show anniversary? <laughs> chips. And then the second oh. year we might move up to dip. <laughs> Without the chips. Dan's Dan's thinking big here. Let's have a party. Somebody bring some chips. <laughs> well, we'll see how we do. Maybe we'll get, you know, two different kinds or something like that for uh, next. The 19th is like Tuesday or something, right? It's coming up. Yeah. It's coming up. So next Tuesday is the one-year anniversary of this fine program here on Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we're going to spend a couple hours uh, day, today doing what we normally do, which is engage in some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics, music, entertainment. Dan clearly is here with us today, which is awesome because he's going to be gone for two days after this. I'm yes. Not, I'm on my own again. I know. On your own again. I'll just be laughing with myself. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> more, more singing. Uh, thanks for being here with us today. We really appreciate it. Whether you're on the radio, Information 1000 KSOO, maybe you're out there uh, on the KSOO mobile app, KSO.com or uh, on Facebook, which just keeps dropping in and out on me, Dan. Well, that blasted thing. I, I, I don't think it's Facebook's fault. I think it's, it is, in fact, once again, the internet connection here in the palatial studios of uh, KSOO. We'll see. Just see if I can. No, this is great radio having me play with my phone. So anyway, uh, we have a, a show for you today, and you'll we'll be watching it out there, hopefully on Facebook, or maybe you're on Twitter and you're chatting with us a little bit. Um, I did ride my bike to work today, but it's what was that weather report again? The very possibility of some showers. In fact, there are some light raindrops kind of in and around the Sioux Falls area right now, and then there's um, a, a line of showers kind of, uh, kind of on the uh, eastern edge of McCook County. Uh-oh. 
So And that's that, a pretty that's a pretty consistent line leading all the way back to Chamberlain. That doesn't look good for my uh my ride home, does it? Depending on when you want to make it. <laughs> well, at sometime after five, uh, because we're live here until five o'clock. Uh also, that's I have my raincoat. I'll be fine. Don't people don't worry about me. I'll be okay. JP, on the other hand, also rode her bike to work today, and she's uh Somewhere out in the middle of the city, <laughs> with no raincoat. So, hopefully, that takes a that you know she can get. Lord out have mercy on JP today. Yeah, that's we'll pray for JP. Um, uh, but I haven't been riding, and now it's going to rain. I've missed all those beautiful days because I was just lazy. But uh, you know, so here we are. That that's just karma, isn't it? You don't ride all the beautiful days. The one day you do. Well, you it's it's not about. Being, you know, it's not about the accomplishment. It's about the struggle <laughs> to make the accomplishment. That's right. It's all about the struggle, people. Nothing easy ever, nothing good ever came easy. Nothing worth doing ever came easy. Yeah. If you if you were born on third base and thought you hit a triple, you, you, what no, good are you? No, 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 no. Act like you've been there before. Right, Dan? We're full of platitudes today. Um I am the thing I am doing on my bike this weekend though. It's gonna be warm, but we're we're gonna go on uh, the first bike packing trip of the year, so that'll be fun. And so we're gonna load up everything on the bikes and uh, go up to Palisades on Saturday. So that'll be that'll be lovely. Oh yeah, Palisades, fantastic place. Yeah, and we'll have some more more stories from the road as we get on the other side of that. We have a great show for you today. Our guests include City Councilor Marshall Selberg, of course, he at the center of the conversation about public input at city council meetings that we've been hearing so much about. Blogger Pat Powers of DakotaWarCollege.com is with us to discuss politics from the right side of the aisle. Scott Hudson is our weird friend of the day. Also, Nate Burdine, he's uh, owner of Mud Mile Communications, and he has this uh, cool toy drive that he started last year after the birth of his first daughter, Liberty. And uh, uh, he raised like, he, he collected like 2,000 toys last year. Just amazing. Yeah. And so he does this on Father's Day in honor of the birth of his daughter. And so he wants to make it a regular thing. He will, we'll get him on the horn real quick and talk with Nate about what's going on this weekend with him. And I will have a PL statement just after the break. Uh, we're going to, we're going to revisit this, uh, uh, South Dakota retailers thing with their, uh, criticism of the effort to expose, reveal, collect the data on SNAP benefits. That's the food stamps. And also we'll, we'll talk public input just to kind of preview, preview Marshall's visit later in the day. That's all coming up. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally show information 1000 KSOO. 318 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Yes, indeedy, this is the time we get a little more close to free with the Bodines. Our traditional theme song for the PNL statement, uh, but first uh, update update on the uh, Facebook Live. We've uh, we have Houston. We have catastrophic failure, catastrophic failure on the Facebook Live. It's just not it's just not going to happen today, people. I, I apologize. We were up and running for a little while, and then beep beep, just buzzers are going off, lights are flashing, catastrophic failure. So gremlins, gremlins. Yep, ghosts in the machine. It happens. All right. So, sorry. We can't all be all so technologically advanced every day, apparently. Put a man on the moon, but we can't get Wi-Fi over in the corner of the building. <laughs> That's not a criticism of anybody except for, you know, gremlins. Uh, in the news today, in the news today, my old friend, the news. And, uh, you know, uh, we were talking yesterday. I mentioned the Argus Leader lawsuit against the... Department of Agriculture and the Retailers Association had entered into that with some uh, asking John Thune to uh, put a a provision in the Farm Bill to, uh, you know, not allow this SNAP data to be released, which uh, after a seven-year court battle, 
the Argus Leader, Argus Leader Media did prevail to obtain those public records. And uh, the Retailers Association of South Dakota had this email saying it would release all this data and people will know who's spending money in your store and how much they spend and what they're going to buy and blah, blah, blah. Except it was wrong. It was just patently wrong. And uh, Jonathan Ellis down there at the Argus Leader, who's been spearheading this thing, uh, he um, wrote a story about it and we talked about it yesterday. And so today, they, uh, another story by Jonathan Ellis and the Argus Leader. Uh, so they have decided that maybe, maybe they weren't quite so right with their facts. South Dakota Retail Association says it will notify Senator John Thune. It made a mistake when it urged members to contact Thune's office on Monday. Looking to keep hidden tens of billions of dollars in taxpayer spending in the, feder- in the National Food Stamp Program, the association sent an email alert to members asking them to contact Thune's office to support an amendment to the Farm Bill. So today they're like, whoops. And uh, Katie uh, Sieverding, who is the association's government relations coordinator, in an email said the group made an honest mistake by confusing a provision in a U.S. House bill that would have required the U.S. Department of Agriculture to collect some sales data in the SNAP program. This was not an intentional error, Sieverding said in her email. There was no intent to mislead anyone. But they're still against it. So they still don't think that the people should have the right to know where our money goes, which is a curious position. Curiouser and curiouser as the days go by. Which brings us to another sort of public issue, and that's public input. And we, of course, have talked a lot on this program about this issue regarding when people can speak to the council on issues not before them for a decision in a second reading. So now, here's the deal. This gets lots of conversations in your social medias and elsewhere about this issue. Much of it is misinformed, to say the least if well-intentioned, because, again, here is the basic facts of the issue, all right? As it stands now, when they have a city council meeting, the main city council meeting, Tuesday night, three out of, it's like, you know, first three Tuesdays in the month, they uh, have, the first few minutes are like proclamations and, you know, handshaking and stuff like that. Then uh, you have the public input portion where anybody can address the council on issues that are important to them. You get five minutes, you say your piece, you sit down. And it's been that way since like 2002, okay? The, what you have always been able to do is speak to an issue when it's before the council on second reading. And the way municipal government works in most places is the introduction of an ordinance is the first reading. So you get, as a, as a counselor, you get something drafted, you get it on the agenda, you, you, you introduce it for first reading. And it has to get a second, it has to get discussion, and then it has, and then it has to be passed, right? But the public can't uh, discuss it at that point. That's for the second reading. So you have the first reading, kind of an introduction, say what you want to do, blah, blah, blah. Please... Uh, fellow counselors pass this to the second reading so we can have a more expanded discussion and we can, you know, maybe pass this. That's when the issue of public input is differentiated from just whatever you can do. You know, the difference between public input at the beginning of the meeting and when anybody can talk on anything regarding an issue that's on second reading. And we've been going back and forth on this. I have said, I think it should be at the beginning of the meeting for a couple of reasons. Now, I understand why, uh, and we'll talk to Marshall Selberg about this later in the show because he's going to be on the show. He's a counselor, and he's the guy who wants to put it at the end. My issue is not so much um, the time. I mean, it it is to a certain degree, but I think that that putting it at the end will cause people not to contribute to the government as in the, in the way they do now and as open as they do now. Yes, somebody can always, uh, you know, corner a counselor on the street. They can send them an email. They can call them up. All these things are true. But you don't have to answer emails and you don't have to pick up the phone and you don't have to return messages, right? The 
public input portion of the council meeting, you, they have to sit there basically and listen. They don't have to say anything. They probably shouldn't. You just got to sit there and listen politely. It's not that hard. Putting it at the end, I think, disenfranchises voters to a certain degree because they don't know when it's going to happen, and then they do have to sit there. And in large part, the problem with input at the second reading and discussion at second reading is that the minds generally are made up. You very rarely see anybody change their mind between first and second reading. It just doesn't happen. It probably happens occasionally, but there's not, not that often. So really, the deal is done by the time you get to second reading. It's just an opportunity to let people vent if it's a big deal. And I've said, if it's a really big deal, take it out of that meeting. Have a public hearing on a big issue. If you did that three or four times a year, it's no big deal. But this, what can be a fairly innocuous element of the meeting at the beginning is good for public discussion. And this, this notion that people just want to get on TV, on Channel 16, to me is a little absurd. And I don't care if you don't like somebody and I don't care if you don't like what they say. Productive speech, as I said on a comment the other day on Facebook, productivity is in the eye of the beholder, right? Your productive speech is another person's, uh, uh, you know, offense, offensive speech or boring speech, or unproductive speech. And always remember that while you may not like these people, and there's no room for vulgarity, there's no room for issues that don't have anything to do with the city council, but the chair has total control over that. Gavel them out, boom, done. This is an issue of broader civic discourse, and I think it's just wrong in this time and place. I don't understand what the rush is. We'll find out from Marshall why it needs to happen now without more broad discussion. So here we go to second reading. We'll have the discussion. But I, I still, I'm, I'm leery of the whole idea. That's the bottom line on today's P&L statement. You can email me at P, patrick at kso.com or you can go to the Twitter feed at P. Lally Show and we can chat there. Coming up after the break, it's Scott Hudson and Weird Friends. Always a good time. And after that, Nate Burdine. We're going to talk about his big toy drive this weekend. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three thirty-five on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it's the replacements, Alex Jilton, which means only one thing when you're on the Patrick Lally Show, and that's it must be Wednesday, and Scott Hudson must be appearing on Weird Friends. Scott, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, say, did you, are you, we have, the, we have a mutual friend, okay, and uh, he has this, without going into too much detail, has basically a music rummage sale. Yes. And uh, I did not make it, but apparently this is a thing. Okay. What, my, here's my question. Okay. He's been doing this for a few years. He's got a lot of stuff. Where does all this stuff come from and why is he trying to sell it all? That's my question. Because it's all like cool stuff, right? You go. Right, right. Well, I mean, it, it, it just solidifies a theory I came up with a couple weeks ago. See, now, I'm very good at getting my laundry downstairs to the washing machine, but I'm not always that good about getting it back upstairs. Yeah. So I was running out of clothes to wear a couple of weeks ago, and I found a little pile of T-shirts. <laughs> and uh, as, I, as I was looking through them, and they fit amazingly, <laughs> they were from 1993. <laughs> what were they? So, the Paul Westerberg tour, fourteen songs tour. Yeah, I saw that show. And uh, the band Archers of Loaf. So oh, we're yeah. looking at ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. And I'm going. I'm, I'm besides the fact that okay, good. I haven't gained that much weight since then. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I just realized there is no bigger hoarder than a music fanatic. Yeah. 
That's probably true, especially when it comes to T-shirts. But, you know, everything, everything. Everything, because, because I know some people say, well, you know, people who read books. Yeah. You know, they're a hoarder. No, because music collectors include books. I've got, <laughs> I've got every biography written about a rock and roll musician of the last 50 years. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, have, I have boxes of British magazines oh. in my basement. Oh, no. You know, because God knows I may someday want to read Mojo magazine from August 1998. Well, you know what, though? If it ever comes up and who went, somebody will say, I wonder, did you remember that? And you'll go, as a matter of fact, I do. Let me go get it. Oh, no, 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 no. You're, you're assuming that I could find anything that I have in my basement. You know, the T-shirt thing, though, I think that's, that is, you know, people who buy books, God bless them and read books, don't, get, don't go out and buy the author's T-shirt. You know what right. I mean? Right. Or, or you know, you, or, or go out and buy posters that, mm-hmm. that have a picture of the book. No. Well, you will buy posters that have a, a record on it. Oh, I have I, my London Calling cover poster. That oh, forever. I've got boxes of rolled up posters in my yeah. basement, too. You, it's just insane. And that's just talking about the story. As I walk room to room, <laughs> and I'm doing that as I'm talking. I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> there is not a room in my house, and I'm including bathrooms and kitchen oh, and everything no. else, that does not have some kind of music-related item. Well, done tastefully. That could You could pull that off. <laughs> well, but <laughs> taste? <laughs> what are you talking about? Here? Oh, my God. I know I can't. I know I, I'm in, I'm insane. It, I mean, it's a, but I mean, it could be worse. My addiction could be crack <laughs> yeah. instead of records. Yeah. You know, so you know the, that's the bright side of things. Yeah. We and okay now that hoarding is a little severe, and not that no it's, no I, yeah right right not I'm that not, it's I'm not I'm you're not going to like come into my house in six months with a garbage man and his crew and and find you know mice running around between my uncut magazines no 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 that's not going to happen you just uh, have a no lot rhyme of or reason yeah no well that's yeah there doesn't have to be a rhyme or reason but you're not going to just give it away because t-shirts man i have i have them all i i'll never mine aren't don't fit but i have them then i'm not going to get rid of you know my uh men at work t-shirt Oh. Or not Men at Work, Mental as Anything t-shirt okay, well, that I better. bought when they opened for Men at Work on their only U.S. tour <laughs> in 1990-whatever it was. Sure. You know? Oh, no, sure. I'm sorry, 1980-whatever. I was off by a decade. And it's threadbare, and it's terrible, but I'm not going to get rid of that. You know what I mean? I, oh, I, I, I know, I know. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's especially, I have not moved since. 1993. <laughs> so That's that sad. makes the clutter easier to like accumulate because yeah. I've never had a reason to, you know, pack it up and move it somewhere. No, and you're not going to because you're not going anywhere. Oh, no, they're going to find me, you know, laying on my couch sometime after <laughs> four days of nobody's heard from me. I mean, let's, let's be real here. Well, it's going to take more than four days. I mean, it's going to be that I missed. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be that I miss a Wednesday talking to you. Yeah, I'd be like, uh, Scott didn't answer his phone, man. That's all right. We'll see what he's going to show up next week. (laughs) 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 Um, What is is your favorite T-shirt? Or what is your favorite piece of memorabilia that you have amongst the piles that you actually know what it is? um, Actually, that's that's pretty easy because I'm looking at it right now. Um, When the replacements played at at, at the baseball stadium in St. Paul, on the reunion tour, mm-hmm. uh, my sisters for Christmas that year gave me a framed. Uh, they, they framed the poster from that show, oh. and so it's got it's got that and my ticket right underneath. So that I, I would say that is it. Is that the most valuable thing I've got? I you know there are some records and things like that around here that are worth a couple bucks. Favorite um, t- favorite T shirt that you wear. Favorite T-shirt that I wear, um, that would have to be, oh boy, I would say that would have to be that Westberg one I just found. Yeah, there you go. It has the dates on the back. You yeah, know? that's pretty cool. 
Those are the ones with the dates on are the ones that I like the most, I think. Yeah, especially if you were actually there. Well, yeah, yeah. You can't wear a concert exactly. T-shirt where you weren't at the show, right? No, I mean, I'm not going to wear a Woodstock shirt and say, yeah, I, I was there. I was six years old. <laughs> you know, the other part of that is I buy these T-shirts as like, I almost, I buy T-shirts when I go to shows a lot. And yeah. I always tell myself I'm not going to do it because it's stupid. But the quality of the shirts has improved a little bit. You know, it used to be they would shrink up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty picky about what kind of. I mean, even though I tend to buy shirts at most shows I go to, I'm I'm a little picky because uh, there's always certain kinds of fabrics yeah, that work right. with me. That's right. I had, but my favorite one of all time was from REM, Little America Part Two, like 1984. Oh, I got that shirt. Yeah, pink. It's pink. Is yours yeah. pink? Yeah, with the no, bike. mine was mine was in pink, but okay. It was kind of this rosy pink, and it had a bike on the front. Yes, that would make sense for you to love that one. Well, but I didn't know at the time, and now it was I, it, it was forecasting your future. Yeah, I couldn't get it on now. It saved my life. There's no way I couldn't even get it. <laughs> REM always had great shirts. Yeah, they, they were did. they were you know the metal bands were the best with merchandising that kind of thing, but REM was the better of the indie alternative rock bands. Yeah, and they lasted a long time. It was a, it was a good shirt. Yes, yes. Uh, Scott, uh, thanks a lot for hanging out with us today, and, and go see if you can find some more valuable stuff, and we'll talk about well, it. I, might have to, I, think, I think I'm going to file some records to spend okay. the rest of my rainy day. That's perfect. We'll <laughs> talk to you next week. All right, see ya. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with Nate Burdine. He is... Uh, a local uh, uh, advertising guy and video production guy at Mud Mile Communications, and he has a big toy drive this weekend that you want to hear about. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty nine on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and I am quite pleased to have on the phone from Parts Unknown out there, in Greater Sioux Falls. Nate Berdine, he is owner of Mud Mile Communications, and the reason I'm having Nate on today is because he's got a really cool toy drive that he started, oh, about this time last year, I think. Nate, how you doing out there, buddy? I'm fantastic, Patrick. How are you? I'm well. I am well. So this toy drive, uh, it's called Make Some Happy Toy Drive, and uh, basically you're out there just picking up toys, uh, and picking up, and people can drop them off. Tell us about your toy drive and why you're doing it. Yeah, so last year in April, uh, my wife Jillian and I welcomed our daughter Liberty to the world, and was thinking about it. I was so excited to to have her, and, and was trying to think of a cool Father's Day tradition to share with her. So we came up with starting a toy drive, and I uh, wanted to show her the, the benefits of giving back. We wanted to help kids, and so. Um, last year was our first year doing it, and we collected toys for five nonprofits in Sioux Falls, Compass Center, Children's Inn, Family Visitation Center, Reach Literacy, and the Toy Lending Library, and they're just all fantastic organizations that tend to get a little bit overlooked when uh, in the fundraising cycles, so we wanted to help them out in a, in a small way, and, and so we teamed up with a lot of sponsors in, in Sioux Falls that were so nice to help us out. And this year we, we've added sponsors, and, and we're helping out those same five organizations again. Yeah, so it's quite a list of sponsors here. Uh, home Furniture, the Experience Real Estate, Sell Only, Monkey Business, Kidtopia, Lloyd Companies, Oh My Cupcakes, Oh My Word, Sunshine Foods, T, First Bank, uh, Sunshine Foods in T, First Bank and Trust, Do Gooders, that's also one of your companies, and yep. with, with your wife, uh, Jolene Letcher, people know her, and Mud Mile Communications. So, uh, a great donation. But how do you do this now? Um, uh, you've got all these drop-off spots, and we'll throw those up on our on our uh, uh, Twitter feed, at P. Lally Show. But how, how's it all work? Tell people how they yeah. can help. Thank you so much. So, yeah, you can take toys to any of these locations. Uh, and uh, in addition to your website, we have them at makesomehappy.com. But you can take them there all this week. And we're looking for toys, games, books, and puzzles, anything that you think would be beneficial to kids. And what we're going to do when we get those is we're going to take them back and we're going to sort through them all. All of the, the nonprofits we mentioned kind of gave us a list of what they need. And so we'll sort those out and make sure that the right toys and games and books are getting to the right location there. And then on Sunday, which is Father, or, uh, yeah, Sunday, which is Father's Day, 
we're going to go out and um, actually go door to door. So people, you know, can't make it out. They forget to, to drop a toy off. They can do that now through Saturday. No problem. Just email us and we'll, we'll come out to your home on uh, Sunday morning and pick those up as well. And then on Monday, I'm really excited. Monday is always a fantastic day. We're going to, we're going to take all those toys to all those locations and help those kids out. So it's just, just a lot of fun. It's super rewarding. And our, our Sioux Falls community is just so generous to help us out. We had over 2,200 items collected last year, and we're hoping to do better than that this year, and I think we will. That's a lot of toys. Yeah, it was. It was really overwhelming. Um, it took three of us um, all day going around and collecting stuff, so um, really overwhelmed by the generosity. So this year we, we're, we're thinking ahead. We're going to have you all ready to go. <laughs> yeah, that's a good out. idea. Say, um, your daughter, Liberty, now, she was just a few months old when you did this last year. And, yeah. And uh, it's part of her life now. What, what is she, uh, she's over a year old now. Is she like, she know, does she know what's going on? Does she understand how big a deal this is for dad? Well, probably not yet, but we're, you know, we're, we're still working on that. But I think if we just instill this in her and uh, she'll, she'll understand that. And, and as she gets older, become more and more involved in the decision-making process. I envision us having meetings talking about how we're going to get more sponsors and, and learn about more of the nonprofits that could use our help as mm-hmm. she gets older. But we really have a vision for this to grow it every year and make it a really huge toy drive and then really really already is pretty big, but we think it can grow. So um, just excited to see what the future holds. Yeah. Uh, give the uh, give your website again one more time so people can, or a phone number where they can contact you. Yeah, so it's it's makesomehappy.com. And um, on there you'll see all the, all the locations you can drop toys off at. And it has our phone number and email if you'd like to schedule a pickup. And, again, you can do that now through Saturday afternoon. And we're going to collect all those toys. And then Sunday Sunday morning, we'll come to your house on Father's Day if you forget. So That's great. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for helping us get the word out and helping all the kids in Sioux Falls. No problem, Nate. Good luck to you and uh, your family on Father's Day. You'll probably get a tie, too, right? Yeah, I'll probably get a tie, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I don't know. But That's awesome. We'll see. Nate Burdine, thank you very much for being here. We appreciate thank it. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Coming up after the short break, we'll have the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, and then we'll get into Pat Powers of Dakota War College blog and also Marshall Selberg, city councilor. We'll talk about public input. Thanks to Nate Burdine of Mud Mile Communications and his big toy drive. We appreciate that. Go to P. Lally Show to get more of that information if you missed that We'll be right back on Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar. 3.58 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Don't forget Friday is Fridays on the Plaza down there at uh, next to KSFY TV, 1132. Music and food, good times. Coming up after the break, the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We'll talk to Pat Powers from the Dakota War College blog and then Marshall Selberg, city councilor, about public input. Stay with us, man. It's going to be fun. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we're always, every Wednesday we have, uh, most every Wednesday we have Pat Powers on from the Dakota War College blog, from his headquarters up in Brookings, and we talk politics. Pat, conventions, baby, conventions, nothing gets people crazy like political conventions in South Dakota. Are you pumped up? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's one of the more exciting times for, for those who are active in the party to, to kind of go and and find uh you know go out and fight for their candidate and and it's a lot more personal than uh some of the uh, some of the general or some of the primary elections tend to be because it's uh you're, you're face-to-face with the candidates and you are uh uh you know i i had i've had somebody tell me that convention is where you go to see old enemies and make new ones <laughs> That's a pretty good line. Now, we should say from the outset, you are a delegate to the Republican Convention, which is next weekend in Pierre. I got that right, don't I? Yep. 
uh, yeah, the uh, Republican convention's running uh, the 20th through the 23rd in Pier um, and at the uh, Ramcota River Center. We have kind of a weird system in South Dakota. Maybe it's not that weird, I guess. I don't know. But where uh, the top of the ticket offices, the governor, the con- congressional, the Senate, uh, the attorney general, those, well, not the attorney general, they all, go, the rest of those all go through a primary system if there's a challenge. The rest of it's all uh, just attorney general, all the constitutional offices, secretary of state, auditor, all that stuff. You are picked at convention. That's kind of, it's a different kind of deal, isn't it? Well, you know, it's, uh, they have the same system in some states. Other states have, have taken those constitutional offices and put them on the uh, ballot through signatures and just like the governor. But, you know, in, in South Dakota, they're not, uh, they're, they're not considered, you know, a, uh, necessarily a stepping stone to higher office and, and pay isn't always that great. <laughs> so they've, they've opted to just kind of put them into uh, something where they have to really spend as much money because it doesn't make a lot of sense running a, you know, running a $250,000 campaign for a job that, you know, uh, starts around 80 or 90. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't maybe a lot of fun. The uh, <laughs> let's, let's consider these jobs for a minute. So there's uh, attorney general is a fairly well-known one. There's a Correct. A, you have uh, multiple candidates for that in the Republican Party, correct? Uh, yeah, we've got uh, John Fitzgerald, who is uh, a tur- or who is a state's attorney, I, I believe. Is he uh, uh, Meade or Lawrence County mm-hmm. out there? Yep, one of uh, those. <laughs> yeah. You've got Lance Russell, who's a former uh, state's attorney for Fall River County. Mm-hmm. And you have Jason uh, Roundsburg from Yankton, who's a private attorney and and worked a little with the Union County uh, as an assistant prosecutor with the Union County State's Attorney's Office. So those three guys, now they'll, they'll all show up in Pierre. They've been bombarding the delegates. They know who the delegates are. They know who will show up, right? So it's you're working well, they, a pretty small crowd. Well, uh, the, a lot of these delegates, to be a delegate, you have to file with your county auditor. Uh, I went through the process as a precinct committee man. In fact, I had a primary. Uh, I I uh, was able to successfully come through that, so I am the delegate for Precinct Five in Brookings County. Hmm. Now I have my one of my daughters who also ran, but she ran as in the process of what's called an at-large delegate. Uh, each county for Republicans get three at-large delegates, and I think maybe Minnehaha gets a couple more. Mm-hmm. But each county gets at-large delegates, and uh, a lot of a lot of times. Uh, uh, it's our, it's an archaic enough system that some people just don't remember that. So it's uh, it's easy to just slide in if you go out and get uh, for at large delegates. You have to get signatures, uh, a certain number of signatures, just like a legislative candidate, hmm. and and you just go out and collect the signatures and get them turned in, and then uh, you can run as an at large delegate. She, my daughter, was not contested, so she got off easy. It was just <laughs> automatically named an at large delegate, and, and I have a gentleman who runs against me. Every single election, I think, for the last three or four, and uh, last couple of times I put out postcards because, by God, I'm not going to lose. This. Not going to lose a precinct election, right? The no, uh, no. the so how many total uh, delegates are sent to peer for this hobnob? Uh, you're going to see in the neighbor. I, there's a potential of, you know, potentially. The, uh, I think there's it's close to a thousand. That, you had every precinct position because there's two per precinct and uh, a number of people for each county. You could have close to a thousand mm. people going. Uh, right now, I think the party is planning on probably uh, between five and seven hundred of them who will be ultimately be there uh, for the voting. That's interesting, and, and of course, Peer uh, uh, reaps millions from uh, you know bed bed and booze tax stuff, right? Well, it, actually, it's uh, it's a uh, kind of an awful weekend for finding lodging in Pier because it's also also Wahi Days in Pier oh, this weekend. There's no lodging to begin with. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> well, There's a little bit. Well, you might have to go across the river and, and yeah. lower your standards. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to go through some of these other races, and we'll talk a little bit about the Democrats. They actually have 
some attorney general candidates, and you can give us your impression there. But we're going to hold over uh, Pat Powers after this short break, and we'll chat more about the upcoming conventions on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four eighteen on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and we return to our conversation with Pat Powers of the Dakota War College blog up there in Brookings. We're talking about the big political conventions that are on the way this weekend is the Democrats here in Sioux Falls, next weekend Republicans in Pierre. Pat, of course, is a delegate, and here's, so uh, we talked about the Attorney General's race. you got three candidates there. Secretary of State is uh, Chantel Krebs comes back, or is she term limited? I can't remember. Well, she's not term limited, but uh, she had obviously foregone uh, another term for Secretary of State and chose to run for Congress instead, uh, which she did not win. I mean, conceivably, uh, she could potentially run, but she hasn't signaled that Mm. she has any interest in it. Um, so I, and Steve Barnett, uh, who's currently state auditor has been campaigning for it for many months now. So I, I don't imagine she's going to jump in. If she did, it would be at the last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might know, be frowned it, upon. Well, it might be frowned upon and, you know, you certainly have people who, supported her opponent and uh mm-hmm. you know she just spent the last month or so beating up uh dusty johnson i i'm not sure how well that uh, her running for secretary of state unexpectedly would be received yeah. by those people so is there just one candidate for secretary of state is that right currently currently, currently. Yeah. there uh, people could pop up a convention right i mean that yeah, happens they could, they, you know they could pop up now uh they could just have somebody nominate them at the convention but, you know, whenever I've seen that happen, and I look back to when uh, Alan Aker, uh, who was a state senator at the time, was running for uh, the Office of School and Lands, uh, and uh, uh, Joyce Hazeltine, uh, Hazel who was Secretary of State at the time, and, and termed out, uh, made a decision to run for that office. Uh, she was going, she was running for school and lands, and hmm. I mean, she'd been around forever, extremely popular, Mm -hmm. but uh, because she just kind of jumped in the week before the uh, convention, uh, delegates rejected her. Interesting. Yeah, she's a she's a a, a legendary name in Republican politics. So that's well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, delegates can kind of be finicky and they're going to they're they're going to go out and reward people who've done the work, who've expressed that they've wanted the job and and jumping in at the last minute just. It never. I've never seen it work for somebody. Can can people like show up at night at the bar and buy around for everybody? Does that sort of thing work? Or is that <laughs> well, taboo? Not, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, actually, uh, mm-hmm. and I think it's the same with both Republican and Democrat conventions. Uh, they they have hospitality rooms mm-hmm. where people have the chance to go in and meet and greet and talk to the people running. Uh, I, I believe the PUC uh, commissioners and uh, Christy Feagan, who is a candidate, I, I believe they do root beer floats in their hospitality suite, and other people do popcorn, and Got it. and you know others do other things. But you know, it's just mainly an opportunity to go in, meet and greet, talk to the people, and uh, you know, for those who have a race, they vet the candidates that way. So the other we, we've talked about uh, Attorney General. We talked about uh, uh, the Secretary of State. Then there's auditor, like Steve Barnett, the current auditor, right? He's because they now have term limits, so they he, yeah. he's bumping up to Secretary of State, right? Is that what you just said? Yeah, he's bumping up to Secretary of State. Rich Satgast, who ah. is currently State Treasurer, is actually looking at running uh, uh, running for auditor and has been campaigning for it. Uh, part of the reason he's looking at that, and he had held the office before he was treasurer, but he's kind of been looking at it because he sees that they are uh, they're having several people leaving via retirement, hmm. and so he's he's kind of doing uh, oh, uh, you know planning. He's looking at the, the need to get people in there and do continuity planning for 
bringing in new people, getting them trained who know the job. And, and having been there before, he knows what these people are going to be doing. And uh, somebody else would come in and they don't have a clue what these jobs are. Yeah. So that, that's kind of been his expression on why he's running. Any con- is there any uh, competition there? No, no, that there's nobody running for that position right. uh, for for state treasurer, which Rich is termed yes. out of. Uh, Josh Hader, who is a uh, member of Senator Round's staff, uh, Josh Hader is uh, running for that position. So he's running for treasurer. Yeah. And then uh, are there any PUC seats this time around? Well, as I said, uh, Christy Feagan. Yeah, Christy her Feagan. Se- yep. yep, her fe- her seat is up. And uh, she's not opposed at the convention. Okay. And uh, Ryan Bruner, who's commissioner of school and public lands, he's also up for election, and, and he's not opposed at this time either. Because nobody knows what that person does. <laughs> well, right? I mean, that's pretty well, much true. it, they, right? <laughs> they keep trying. They, you know, every once in a while you hear about proposals to get rid of school and public lands, but, yeah. you know, given it's, uh, it, it's kind of an investment office, kind of a land office, nobody's yeah. sure what it does, but, but it actually does have a, a pretty big function. And it's, it's cushy. Cush government gig, so who get rid of that? <laughs> well, I, you know, again, I, I think these are these are the eighty thousand dollar jobs, and, and uh, the interesting thing is another reason why they aren't big campaigning jobs. Uh, a lot of these jobs don't have any big constituency because mm-hmm. it, you're you're hard pressed to find who is the constituency of the South Dakota auditor. Well, they they audit the. Uh, the vouchers for state government, and they have some other functions on but the investment that, council. That job but, doesn't really have any power anymore either because the legislature stripped a lot of the actual auditing power out of it during the Dick Butler controversy, right? Well, you know, not necess- I, I don't know that I agree, but because if you look back when uh, Rich Sackass was just starting out that job with uh, at the same time as Governor Rounds came in, they had that crisis with the South Dakota State Fair, and mm-hmm. uh, Rich put his foot down and said, "You guys are spending in the red, and I'm not approving anything." Yeah. And so there, there is, you know, there is a bit of authority, and that kind of caused a lot of that trigger to revitalize and save the state fair because they weren't going to pay out uh, bills where there were no money. So, mm-hmm. so there, there's a there's a little bit of an oversight there. And uh, so, so they have, do have some ability to put the brakes on state government. Pat Powers, thanks for the rundown. And uh, we appreciate you coming on every Wednesday. And have fun at the convention. If Hopefully we'll get to talk to you next week. But if we don't, you have a good time out there in Pierre. Don't get too crazy. I'll, I'll try not to. As I said, uh, find, find old enemies and make new ones. Yeah, cool. Thanks a lot, Pat. All right. Take care. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we'll talk with Marshall Selberg. He is, of course, a city councilor and at the center of the public input controversy. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 433 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm quite pleased, quite pleased to have in the studio with us for the first time on the Patrick Lally program, which is kind of hard to believe, but it's true. Marshall Selberg, he is a city councilor. And uh, Marshall, thanks for coming in. I've made the big time. I'm on the <laughs> Lally Show. Here we go. Oh, my God. The beginning of the end. Yes. Um, the, uh, uh, we're going to talk about public input in, in just a second here. But Marshall, you are in your, are you in your first term, right? I am. Halfway through the first term. Yeah. So you weren't on this time, this ballot. So you got a ways to go. A little bit, yeah. How's it going bit. for you so far? So far, so good. It's your, it's a never-ending learning experience. Like I always tell people, it's a little bit like constantly drinking from a fire hose. You just got kind of everything's coming at you, and you, you do the best you can, and you're always learning. So uh, you recently were a, a named vice chair of the council, and you uh, immediately brought forth after the election of Mayor Tenhagen and some new councilors uh, this ordinance to change the order, basically, of the Tuesday night agendas to put the public, the broad public comment period, not on individual ordinances, but the broad public comment period at the end of the meeting. Um, It's raised some controversy. Are you surprised at uh, the number of people that showed up last night for first reading to talk about it, even though they couldn't talk about the first reading? And 
just sort of the general reaction to it. I'm not surprised at all. No, part of the reason for bringing this up is it's been hanging out there for a long time, and I felt it was time to have the conversation. I mean, I, I, it, for at least six months, I've had, if not longer, I've had citizens come up to me, and they'll ask how it's going, and they maybe have tuned into a particular meeting or two and have some comments about the meeting and particularly public input in general. And Why uh, does it bother you? I mean— Yes, when uh, the the young lady who hurled some epitaphs at the former mayor and caused a big ruckus, she often was boisterous, right? The next step down are, you know, just frequent commenters. Uh, I think of Tim Stanga and some of these other folks, Scott Arisman, who's a frequent guest and, and listener to this program, um, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Danielson, and, and obviously uh, David Zakaitis started showing up with his videos when he ran for mayor. Why, what is wrong with that? Well, first of all, I'm a firm believer in public input. I've said that again and again since this has come out. I've said it forever. We need to hear from the citizens. Again, this particular ordinance does not shut down public input. It does Mm -hmm. not turn off the cameras. It does not shorten it. Mm -hmm. Um, It does nothing to the rules of it. It simply moves it from this point of the agenda to this point of the agenda. Now, a lot of these people that you've talked about, I've said before, I admire anybody who takes an interest in their community. And even whether I particularly agree with some of their arguments or points, it really doesn't matter. It's nice to know that there are people that care this much about their city, and they come about with their views, and that's terrific. The problem I have had a little bit about, and it's not just this particular person you said, but there's been a number of instances over a period of time where we've had everything from, you know, you've got cackling, you've got... uh, some incomprehensible type of things, stories that come out that make don't really have anything to do with anything. And then, yes, you've got some profanity that's now made a scene. I mean, we've got people generally there that are coming there to get business done. We've got people there that, especially early in the meeting, that are maybe there for a proclamation. We've got, as but I said, the, baseball but the teams. But it's after proclamation. Right, but generally if you're there early for those particular things and we've had Boy Scout troops or whatever it is, they'll be there and they'll kind of mm-hmm. sit in for a bit and hang in and try to watch what a meeting's all about. And that's kind of the show they're getting. And I've repeated, it's sometimes not very family friendly. So, but I don't want to cut it off these people who were there and they're talking i hope they continue to show up and i'm sure they will so but that's been my reason for maybe moving it from as we put it alphabet wise on the agenda it goes from g to o g to o g to o if you looked at the agenda but a lot of those first points are are consent agendas and things that move along pretty quickly the uh uh my issue as and i've said it before is that by putting it at the end, it, it so sort of the timing of it. This has happened very quickly. Um, and while there was some discussion of it before the election, there was no hard ordinance, there's no hard proposals. What's wrong with taking a little bit more comment time and maybe finding a compromise here that might work? I disagree just a bit on it's, this is coming quickly. That particular argument I would disagree with. Well, the again, election just happened. That's well, what that, election, that election has happened. But this discussion about, boy, public input, it's hanging out there and it's getting a little questionable, risque, that type thing. And I will tell you that there was talk on the council moving up to this one mm-hmm. about the same type of oh, yeah. bringing it up. And I will tell you that it got close to talk amongst some counselors of maybe bringing it up and it would have had a pretty good chance of getting the votes because a couple of people that recently termed out were very much for it i was for one somebody who was listening was interested but i didn't feel it was right to bring it up at that time just for the this exact reason when you're talking about timing i didn't i thought something felt a little let's say in a word icky to maybe vote something in to change the rules before a new council came in I thought better, let's wait till the new council's here and have this discussion, and that's why we're doing it now. You did, however, change the vote threshold for the, for the uh, district, for this council uh, uh, elections from 33 to majority during the last term right before right but not in the last two weeks before that that's what i was talking about that's why this when you talk about timing people go this is fast and this is what well it's fast maybe but to a point i'm trying to kind of give you the timetable how we've gotten here the other issue that comes up is that a lot of the uh uh, contention has got came to kind of a fever pitch towards the end of the huther administration for a lot of reasons do you think that a new mayor coming in just changes the tone and tenor and and maybe waiting a little bit might Give it a chance to work. See what happens. Well, could it help? It certainly could. Um, was our 
past mayor? Did he have some issues with some of the folks that were at our I mean, uh, I saw, public input? I, sure. I saw it. Everybody sure. saw it. So sure. it's not surprising. Um, I do know that I heard the mayor on the campaign trail numerous times that was running for office say he was for making a change for it. So I, he I, said, I think he said he was for looking at it. Right. He yeah. was. So... Um, Timing-wise, I thought with the new council and us being here was the time to have it get us off on this. Let's get this particular issue out here now. And however this vote turns out, mm -hmm. that's fine. We'll, we'll have the discussion. Mm -hmm. It's in the rearview mirror, whether it stays or it moves. But we'll have it kind of out of, instead of hanging there, we're addressing it. Do you, there's some suggestion today, rumor, uh, of a compromise that would keep it at the beginning uh, but limit bring the bring the conversation down to from five to three you know so limit people's times and then limit the total number of speakers is that something that you could get behind just to sort of put some parameters on it i'm i'm open to talk i mean again this timetable we're on mm -hmm. and again some people are say it's being rushed this ordinance was introduced just as any other one has mm -hmm. we just had the first reading and we have the second and there's many times when ordinances come about it's in that period that yeah. things are compromised changed a bit in that too my ears are open i you know i would like to you know i I commend Councillor Brecky yesterday. She came up with an idea. Yeah. I don't know that I'm necessarily on board with it, but she's putting something out there that we can talk mm -hmm. about. That's the idea. So could something change? Is there talk about this or that? There's some talk. Are we getting anywhere? I, I, we don't have anything down. But, again, that's part of this process, what we're trying to do right now. Do you, We're talking with Marshall Selberg. He is a Sioux Falls City Councilor, and we're discussing changes in the public input. It's true that people um, still... Uh, there's no change to the way it would work with input when people want to discuss a particular issue, meaning on second reading, there's open open comment period on everything that goes through the council. So you can talk to this one issue. Right. That's not changing. My one concern there is that by second reading, oftentimes people have made up their minds. It doesn't happen very often that uh, a public discussion in that second reading time really changes any mind because then the vote, you have the vote right away. So, it, the degree to which public input still is a uh, just an you know it's a soapbox. It's the opportunity to to go to the town square. Uh, are you concerned at all about losing that um, element of it if it ends up being at ten o'clock at night? Well, if it's at the end of the meeting. Again, still, if you're coming to talk on a particular item, you can talk before the second reading. So you can talk before that on that second yeah. that you're talking about. But granted, as far as usually by the time you get to the second reading that night, a lot of times you've, if there's negotiations or changes, yeah. you've had them till then. I would maybe argue to the point where um, if you change this, let's say we had public input at the end, it might give people that are coming into public input a chance to hear a first reading and comment on it that night where they don't right now. Good point. No good point. Um, We're going to come right back and talk more with Marshall Selberg, city councilor in the city of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We'll be right back. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe the sun will shine today. 448 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Marshall Selberg. He is a city councilor from the city of Sioux Falls. Are, you know, I should have looked, I should know this off the top of my head, Marshall. My apologies. Are you at large or are you a district? Southwest District. Southwest yes. District. Ah, I knew I was going to get that wrong. The, I the should tropical part of the city. Oh, yeah. Tropical. <laughs> the closest to Florida. <laughs> no, that's right. That's Southeast. Um, we were talking about uh, uh, public input. Now, uh, just so we, we finish that up, when is the second reading for that issue? Is it two weeks? Next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Yep. So, all right. So, bang, bang. Here we yep. go. Now, it could still be, if, if there were further discussions that needed to be had or whatever, and people decided they want to wait a little bit, you could still defer it, right? Things can still happen. Yeah. I'll put it that yeah. way, yes. Or people can make amendments. And sure. It's, it's going to be... Might be a bit of a wild ride for a little bit. Yeah, we're making sausage, right? That's how you legislate. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's we're right. getting there. So uh, uh, you've been on the council for two years now. You just tra uh, transferred over to a ma new mayor, Paul Tenaken. Uh, how's that going for you? What's your relationship with the mayor like, and what do you think of his early uh, days in the chair? I'm impressed. I, I did not know uh, Paul before the campaign. I think I'd met him a time or two, but I got to know him a little bit as he was on the campaign trail. Um, 
as far as in the short time he's been in office now, a month or so, very impressed. He's making, going above and beyond reaching out to the council, really working with us. Um, I think the best way somebody put it, he knows what he doesn't know and he's willing to learn and he's a sharp guy and he's kind of, I think he's going to get a hold of the job pretty quick. But yeah, so far so good. There, there was a lot of discussion about transparency. You talked about relationship with the council. That was a big issue. Um, but also transparency in general. Are there changes that you could see the council making to some of the processes, whether it be the uh, RFP process, the RFQ process, um, um, any, of the, the, any of the contractual uh, issues that we get involved with? Do you think there are changes that can be made that would open up this process a little bit and make people feel a little bit better about it? I think there's always room for improvement in everything we're doing. As far as I think with the new administration, I think some of those transparency issues that have been out there, I think had something to do with the relationship the council has had with the past administration. And I'm not here to criticize the past administration. I just think there was kind of a, mm-hmm. a back and forth and, and a, a way things were done and communicated sometimes that kind of there was a management style issue. There was, I think that's the best way to put it as far as me personally on transparency. I mean, the mayor, previous mayor and this mayor, I think have the same view as far as they have opened up where we can contact department heads if we have questions. We can look into things and go that way if we want to. And I think that's a very nice privilege to have. So, I mean, I've always kind of, if I have an issue or I have something I want to look into as far as that goes, I've, I've, I guess, had no trouble if I need information getting Mm -hmm. it through that route. So, Personally, transparency-wise, or having any issues getting things I need, I really haven't had that, but I know there's been a little bit of tension between the council and the administration. Again, with our new mayor, I think that's going to improve a lot. Um, you uh, have been involved in the uh, uh, geez, not superhero. Is that what we call it, superhero? Yes, we started a citizen recognition program a few months ago, and what we're trying to do is basically find people that are going above and beyond out in the community and recognize them. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we do is you go to SiouxFalls.org, you go to Superhero, and it, it's got a link, and it's 250 words or less. Just let us know what this person's doing. You nominate them. We recognize them at a meeting. Might do a feature on them on CityLink, that type mm-hmm. thing. But we're trying to, you know, there's always plenty of room for criticism and that type of thing and what we're doing wrong, and that's the way government is. We need to hear that, but it's nice to get a little positive spin and show some people doing some good in the city, and that's the idea behind that. So are you getting you getting a lot of nominations? How's that going? I would say we're averaging anywhere from two to five a month, so that's not bad. We kind of hope it grows, and the idea is to have it where some people have it on top of mind and are thinking of that when they're out and about and see somebody going above and beyond. But, yeah, so far we're off to a pretty good start. What's uh, what's surprised you most so far? What's the best story you've heard? from? Uh, they're all great. They're all superheroes. But what's what's something that really kind of blew you away? There was a gentleman, and, of course, I'm going to forget his name, but he it was at Sanford, and he volunteers, and he rocks babies. Oh, and man. I think he'd rocked. Uh, 5,000 babies in just a short amount. It was just an incredible number. But it was one of those things where you never even think that, is that right? You do mm-hmm. things like that. There was a lady that was nominated and got the award. She started roller derby in town for young ladies like a club. Mm-hmm. And just a tremendous lady. But again, just stories you wouldn't think of and things people are doing, and that's kind of the fun of it. So you come in and get another view of Sioux Falls. Yeah. Well, Marshall Selberg, uh, city councilor from the Southwest District, Uh, Thank you very much for coming in, and uh, we'll have you back real soon. How's that sound? It's been fun. Thanks for having me. We'll be coming right back after a short break, and we'll finish up with the Patrick Lally Show here on a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday afternoon as I look out the window and see the clouds. We'll be right back. This is Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Dan, hey Dan, Dan, I'm here. Uh, Uber producer Dan Peters, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, is it raining out? I got my bike. Yes, it is raining out. How long is it going to be raining, Dan? If I hang out here at the station for a while, will it be okay? Right now, I see the rain on the western edge near Highway eighty-one. Oh, so that's, it's that's, gonna, that's out. That's Salem, right? Yeah, Salem or so. Well, I still may have time. How fast? It doesn't seem to be moving real fast. I said Western Edge. Oh, the, oh so that's I, that's I, the I, end I, of the showers. I see. So I might have a so chance. You're right. You're you're in it right now. And in fact, the the heavier of the showers are just on the 
Uh, just on the outskirts of the Sioux Falls area, right? Uh, well, I got a little. I got a few things I can do here before I leave, so that's good. Well, everybody, stay dry. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate the the, yeah. the update. You're, you're, it's coming. Oh, it always is. Everybody, don't forget, it's teapot days this weekend. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's today. I hope they're not getting rained out. They got free burgers, hot dogs, and drinks out there. There's all kinds of stuff going on through the week. And Thursday is the crowning of Ma and Pa Teapot and Mighty Thomas Carnival opens at 5. Friday is the carnival starting at noon. Kids pedal pull, hot rod and show, shine, O'Toole street dance featuring Driven Moore. That's Friday, Saturday. There's 5K Carnival. Oh, that's all kinds of stuff. That sounds like a great time out there in T. Coming up on the show tomorrow. Oh, it's Twins game in the afternoon. We'll see what happens. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. This is Radio Cash. And your camps of thoughts will like